Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, we do a lot of, I guess, analysis around here, or maybe some people just call it bloviating, or whatever you want to say. But, you know, I think we have a tendency sometimes to sort of talk subjects to death, and we kind of, you know, our analysis becomes over-analysis. We just kind of get so, like, into the intricate details of football. And the reason why we do that, because me and all of you and everybody who's kind of under this umbrella of dog nation, we just love college football that much. And a lot of us were also big Georgia fans there as well. So all of the details are kind of fascinating to us, and we can really get into the weeds on a subject like this. It's one of the reasons why, you know, we have things like Dog Nation Daily, a show devoted to Georgia football each and every day. We want to kind of expand out every topic and look at it in as many different ways as it can be looked at in a way that like more traditional media that's touching on all the sports is never going to have time to do that. That's kind of why we exist. But there's also that moment in which, hey, maybe a lot of over analysis isn't really worth it. Maybe it's just time to just kind of appreciate the simplicity of certain things. And I'm always kind of impressed with one of the Georgia signing classes there always just sort of seems to be a lot of wow factor with a lot of the guys that that Georgia brings in. And yeah, you can look at measurables and you can look at, you know, the stats, you can look at a lot of things that are connected from a numeric standpoint to the recruits and that tells a story. But sometimes and it's like an old cliche, but sometimes it's really the picture that tells the biggest story. You've heard it said before that a picture is worth a thousand words. Sometimes the pictures and the videos that you get of recruits are just so overwhelming in terms of the narrative they help cast for the kinds of players that in the very near future Georgia fans are going to get really excited about. I want to highlight a couple of these here for a moment because it's been kind of fun over the course of the last few days to watch the way that some of this has been kind of kicked around on the internet. For instance, there's a picture out there of Georgia running back Sonny Branton Robinson. It comes from our friends at Rivals, but it's now been shared by like ESPN and a bunch of the other you know uh, accounts there as well. Like, and I realize if you're listening radio podcast, you haven't seen this, but I'll put a link on the uh, the show when I post it at DogNation.com so you can see it for yourself. This photo of Branson Robinson carrying the football uh, from one of the rivals uh, camps where, I mean, he looks like an action figure right there. Like he looks like He-Man or or I, I don't even know what. I mean, that is unbelievable. Now, it kind of reminds me of the one. I don't have this to show for you. But you remember a few years ago when the photo of Elijah Holyfield from Georgia practice got out? And I believe our buddy Logan Booker, who works in the radio at 960 Rev, I believe he's the one that took that photo. And then by the time ESPN got a hold of it. They had kind of like photoshopped it to the point where it was like cartoonishly big and almost like Popeye. Uh, I don't know if this is photoshopped that way or, or not. I certainly don't have any reason to say that it is. It's just remarkable the kind of strength that Robinson brings to the table as evidenced by this photograph. It's one of the reasons why. I mean, when we do topics related to the 2022 class and Georgia fans and what they're excited about, Robinson's name here comes up so much. And it's really just the look that he gives you that gives you an indication of that. And the uh, Twitter account, it's CFB News Today. They give you these numbers on a Robinson. They say, how about a 415-pound bench press, which is remarkable, uh, a 615-pound squat, 720-pound deadlift. That's like lifting a Toyota Corolla. That, that's just insane weight room numbers. And you may be saying, well, B, I don't believe Branson Robinson squats no 615 pounds. I don't believe he does that. Well, if you find yourself skeptical of that number, I actually have some video evidence to prove that's the case. Let me show you this. Uh, one of the guys uh, shared this on uh, Twitter here. I want you to see this of Robinson in the weight room. This is Cam Meller who shares this. 
Uh, how about Robinson uh, videoing himself? Or not? He's not videoing himself. He's being videoed squatting 600 pounds right there. How many plates is that on that bar? That is that is just amazing. Such an unbelievable level of strength. And as I said before, it's one of the reasons why a lot of folks kind of look at Branson Robinson as kind of that next big running back at UGA. In fact, when Jeff Sintel joins us a little bit later on here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger today, that's one of the things we're going to talk about with Jeff is, hey, does all this photographic evidence and video and the obvious physical strength, the highlight package we've all seen, the persona that has reminded a lot of people of a Nick Chubb or something like that, does this really work out to the tune of a guy who's ready to make a big freshman impact at a place like Georgia? Now, this is a deep class of running back not class but deep collection of running backs on this roster right now and a lot of folks think with good reason guys like Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh it could be their time to shine at UGA here this year but if that's a great tandem then think about what DeAndre Swift was as an incoming freshman true freshman in 2017 how he complimented that tandem back then could Branson Robinson be on his way to kind of doing some of the same kind of stuff the photos the video suggest yeah you know what if he's not it's only going if if he's not there it's certainly not going to be because of a lack of physical conditioning because clearly even before he gets on college campus he already has some of that going for him so we'll talk to Jeff Sintel more about that coming up in a moment but i also want to highlight another guy here for a minute there as well and this is a guy you've heard me talk about before that i really try to kind of put my chips down on the kind of unsung hero of this 2022 class a guy who i think has a chance to have very high upside and this is listen high upside is different than this is a sure thing you make your bet on him you know uh the sure things of this class may feel more like a marvin jones jr or or someone like that but but the high upside of hey this may be worth taking a flyer on in terms of being way better right now than he's currently getting attention for uh that's a guy like Derry smith for me and we've talked to jeff Sintel about this and couple of things that smith has recently put out on video uh this is a uh, recent track performance where i mean he's so far uh you know out uh you know just uh unbelievable uh running here just in just a very impressive feat watch him closing out here and uh coming to get that done first of all look how much bigger (laughs) i mean smith is a tall guy and it's the long frame that you really like here but look how much bigger he is than everybody else and look at the way he's just kind of running past people and now all of a sudden getting a chance to extend the lead and that's we're going to hear from kirby smart on uh about Smith in a moment that's one of the things that he does talk about there is just that ability to to run that that you know that's one of the things that George is looking for is you know when, when we get you on campus when we get you worked out when we're kind of evaluating you there how well do you run that ends up being one of the things that Georgia really values these guys on more than anything else and he is a very good track star but he's also a very good basketball player too and you would kind of expect that big long frame long arms if you're watching a video once again take a look at this block shot going up high getting the ball off the glass a lot of you who've been with me for a long time know that there is nothing I love more than watching the way in which a uh, a football recruit plays basketball. It's just kind of a cool thing to see from time to time. And the Smith block shot there is a great highlight on all of that there, too. So a lot of buzz about him on social media right now, too. The athletic profile that he brings to the table. A little bit of an unheralded recruit in that didn't sign in December. It was a commit that actually signed in February. But when you look at that long frame those long arms big body tall guy coming off the edge as an edge rusher the athleticism boy you really think that this could really be a diamond in the rough for georgia in that 2022 class in fact go back to signing day a couple of wednesdays ago kirby smart kind of accented some of the same points when it comes to Darius smith here's uh, kirby talking about him Darius smith is a kid we're excited about um we've loved he's got a great work ethic he's from you know, rural town down there, and he does a wonderful job every time he's been up here of 
competing, working out. Um, he's got a lot of growth potential. He's long. He runs well. And, and kids that are that size that run well tend to do well in our system. And he played like a receiver at times. And he's running track right now and is uh, uh, one of the fastest track kids uh, in that area. So we're certainly excited about him. Um, he's got a lot of development to do. And that last point that Smart brings up there I think is worth mentioning here that hear what I'm saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you I believe Darius Smith is the next Hall of Famer or anything like that. I'm just saying I think he's got really high upside. And Smart describes kind of what that high upside is and says, you know, he's also got a lot of work to do to be able to to fully maximize all that potential. But when you're looking at guys who may be way better eventually than their current profile might suggest, I'd keep your eye on Darius Smith as Maybe one of those 2022 signees is kind of an edge-rushing type guy for Georgia that could at one point in time be the kind of guy that you are very glad to have in a Georgia uniform. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Kroger. Good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. No matter how you get to us today, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all the video platforms, podcast, Apple, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com, so many different ways to get with us there. Also on the radio at noon each and every day, uh, Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref. That's a cool thing to be a part of, too. Just glad to have you with us, no matter how you're getting to us today. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. You know, we're getting very, very close to Valentine's Day, so you got a couple big things going on. You can go to Kroger right now and get stocked up for the big game on Sunday. That's always important to do. But also get ready for Valentine's Day, which comes up that following Monday. And listen, don't get so wrapped up in getting ready for football this weekend that you get that you miss out on what's going to be happening uh, on Valentine's Day on Monday. That's not going to be good for anybody. So make sure you don't uh, do that. In fact, go to Kroger.com slash Valentine's and learn about all the great savings you can get. Buy two, get one free on some uh, great Hershey's candies or you know some great deals on some of the wine that you might want for that special meal or some sort of sweet treat from the bakery it's always kind of a nice way to celebrate valentine's day all kinds of great things valentine's cards uh, gift cards whatever it takes to make valentine's just a little bit better for you and that special someone in your life you can get that at kroger kroger.com slash valentine's for a lot more on that kroger.com slash valentine's for more on that all right jeff Sintel coming up in a moment we'll do some uga recruiting talk with jeff a couple of things that i've addressed here this week i, I want to get into with jeff including in a moment the arch manning recruitment you know the published reports are down to four georgia one of those four there has been a consensus of a lot of folks online that well there may be four finalists but it's really georgia versus texas texas making a move this week that would seem to help it with arch manning we'll talk to jeff more in a moment about exactly what is going on with uh, manning right now we'll do that here in just a little bit before that though i want to go around the doghouse and we just for a few minutes talked about the future of Georgia football with guys like Darius Smith or Branson Robinson. Let's go back and look at the past of, of Georgia football here for a moment because what an honor it is for the former Georgia Bulldog Richard Seymour, the great defensive lineman who was announced yesterday going to be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We'll show you this graphic and edit shared by his team, the New England Patriots, the team he was most famous for playing for, the New England Patriots, a 2022 Hall of Fame inductee for Richard Seymour. Such a great thing to see, such a great collection of photos. And let me just say this just kind of quickly here for a moment, that, you know, in addition to what we do here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, talking Georgia football every day, I've always just been kind of a big sports fan in general, just always grown up loving sports. And, you know, obviously halls of fame are always going to be a little bit of a hot topic. And, you know, I think if you want to compare the various halls of fame in sports, football, baseball, basketball, 
I think the Pro Football Hall of Fame in a lot of ways just gets it right a lot more than a lot of the others do. Like, obviously, those of us who love baseball are probably a little bit frustrated with how politicized the Baseball Hall of Fame has kind of become. And there's this controversy related to, you know, should Barry Bonds be in or Roger Clemens or even if you go back to the Pete Rose stuff. And, you know, why guys like if you want to be an Atlantan here for a moment, Dale Murphy and, and Andrew Jones not getting more consideration. There's a certain frustration with the Baseball Hall of Fame where I think some of the people who vote on that have just kind of tarnished the process. And I think the Hall of Fame's brand has been hurt in the process. The Basketball Hall of Fame has always been kind of a weird thing in that, you know, it's not really separated between like amateur and professional the way that most Halls of Fame are. That's just kind of like one big old bucket of, you know, coaches and players. And so therefore, I don't know that the Hall of Fame, which is in Springfield, Massachusetts for basketball, I don't know that it has much in the way of um, – a space in the mind of a lot of sports fans we don't really hear a lot of basketball hall of fame discussions for the most part because it, it's just a little bit of a weird amalgam of like the college stuff and the and the the pro stuff or you know whatever else international in, in some cases that i don't know that the basketball hall of fame is really a top of mind you know thought or conversation for a lot of sports fans but the pro football hall of fame in my mind has kind of always been a little bit different i think it's the most dignified process of all with the way in which you'll have somebody stand up in front of that you know body of deliberators and kind of make the case for a guy and a lot of you know famous writers have kind of done that over the years and the videos that now come out of the guys being notified they're going into the hall of fame these big dudes strong dudes are like just reduced to tears and you know we can't help but be a little bit emotional about all that too because of just the poignancy of the moment i just think the pro football hall of fame really gets it right and so anytime you see a former dog like in this case richard seymour going into the hall of fame that's just always a a great thing to be able to see as well and and kind of looking in on the seymour stuff over the course of the last couple of days obviously remembering his time at uga and what a great player he was then and what he's gone on to be here at the university of uh, i should say for the new england patriots now going to the pro football hall of fame I came across something that Bill Belichick said. I guess this goes back into October. I think maybe the time uh, Seymour was kind of being put into the Patriots Hall of Fame, their their local franchise Hall of Fame, and Belichick got up to speak on behalf of Seymour. Now, keep this in mind for a moment. This is the guy who historically can't cannot stand speaking to the media, who really says as little as possible in almost all these situations, and yet listen to how effusive Bill Belichick, who coached Seymour for a long time, Listen to how effusive his praise is for the former dog now that he's going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Great stuff from Belichick on Seymour. Take a listen to this. You know, a lot of times you'll say, well, this, this guy's sort of like that guy, and this guy's sort of like that guy. I, there's nobody like Richard Seymour. There's, there's no, well, this guy's like Seymour. Like, no, he's not like Richard Seymour. And uh, they just don't come along. They're, they're a generational-type player athletically and talent-wise, but then, you know, the bigger part of it is just what, what Richard brought to this team, this organization, as a person. You know, we're a college football show here, a Georgia football show in particular, and obviously Seymour has the UGA tie, but I think most of us are also big enough football fans, have enough of an appreciation for the sport overall that we understand the the weight that comes when a guy like Belichick is throwing that kind of compliment around of They don't make him like Richard Seymour, both in terms of his athleticism as a player, what he means as a person – Oh, to have played the game in such a way that Bill Belichick gives you that kind of compliment. That says everything you need to know about the former dog right there. And that is Around the Doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. Obviously, we got a lot to do with you over the course of our time. Before we're done, we'll get more into the Brian Harson saga there at Auburn. There are some new, very odd details that have emerged on that over the course of the last 24 hours or so. And it also seems like Harson may be on the way to 
to maybe saving his job after it seemed for a while like maybe he might not. All kinds of new details on that. We will cover that with you here in just a moment. But for now, on, as I mentioned before, the latest on Arch Manning, some very interesting comments this week from other top 2023 prospects, exactly what they are thinking about their process right now. And also, what's going on with Georgia's pursuit of some elite wide receivers on the heels of Georgia hiring a new wide receivers coach and having that new coach being very well received by some of the top prospects all the way around. We'll cover that all coming up with Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. Seems like we may still be waiting on Jeff here just for a second, so we'll cover that and get that going here in just a little bit. Also, before we're done, obviously, R.S. Andrews Cooldown will take a bunch of your comments and kind of find out what you have on your mind as we roll into the weekend. I know a lot of you obviously getting excited and ready to go for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Big parties, a lot of folks coming over maybe. Maybe you're going somebody else. I uh, hope you enjoy the football. Last chance we have to watch some real football here. Uh, over the course of the uh, uh, for the next few months, right? Spring practice will be here before you know it, but uh, our last chance to see a real game uh, comes up on Sunday between Rams and Bengals, so we'll look forward to seeing that then, and maybe for our cool down, we'll talk a little bit more about what we may expect to see happen in L.A. on Sunday. But for now, uh, let's get ready for some recruiting talk. As I said before, Arch Manning, Brandon Ennis, uh, all kinds of interesting stuff that's out there right now, and a little more on the Branson Robinson conversation that we also had going a couple of minutes ago there too let's cover it all jeff Sintel here on dog nation daily presented by kroger from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com insider we'll say good morning to jeff Sintel here always great to have him here on dog nation daily presented by kroger and jeff let me bring you into a conversation that we were having a few minutes ago you know you see the photo that's out there of Branson Robinson the running back looking like you know action figure he-man type guy uh you know video of him squatting more than 600 pounds and obviously you've done some great chronicling of him as well there dognation.com and you know Robinson's already one of the shortlist fan favorites I believe from this 2022 class and you know we've seen freshman running backs at Georgia over the years have a pretty big impact before including even during the smart era that's kind of been the case if you want to think about you know what deandre swift provided for georgia in 2017 how much of an immediate impact do you think a guy like branson has a chance to make at georgia uh hey man good morning back to you uh brandon i think i think it's going to hinge on a lot of, a lot on how healthy he is i think that's one of the things that maybe stunted the ascent for a guy like kendall milton who had a, a lot of breakthrough ability as well um and it's funny because here's the thing I really wanted to pay attention to at the at the All-American Bowl. Because to be honest, and this is something Branson even admitted to me, is like he's never really played football games uh, with, you know, guys all across the front that are really strong, even all-region capable players or a quarterback in the arm and receivers out, out, out wide that are going to keep seven, eight, nine guys out of the box. So a lot of times in his high school career, he's just been – he eventually gets pummeled so much, and a lot of times he does the pummeling, that he only plays like eight games, nine games in the season, you know, not, not, the, full, not the full weight of his, of his entire high school season. And I think that's the, one of the things – you can't really say that Georgia's strength and conditioning is going to augment this athlete. If anything, it's just going to find a way for him to kind of resist maybe some of the pulls and the strains and everything else. But – 
The thing we got to realize about Branson Robinson is he's really only going to be called on for through the bulk of his Georgia career for somewhere between 16 and 22 carries per game. And that's the type of workload it really feels like these broad shoulders can really handle. Um, I, I want to, here's what I had to learn about Branson Robinson. And he looks so powerful, Brandon. He almost looks like he's Thanos with all the gins. And you wonder, is he explosive? Is he a guy that's going to make guys miss in the SEC? And that's one of the things that he kind of got swarmed a little bit in the All-American game where there are guys just everywhere that are the same type of phenomenal athlete that he is. But I go back to a couple of things that should give Georgia fans a whole lot of hope. And one of them is this is an explosive athlete, not just the power lift, the deadlift, the squat, the bench. That's him moving a lot of weight around. But we've also seen that the vertical jump there is right around 40, in, 40 inches, which is pretty stinking good. And then we've also seen his, his 40 times are in the low four fives or in the high four fours. Another thing, if you point to just his athletic DNA, is his older brother, Braylon Robinson, who uh, went to Alcorn State, one of those really great HBCUs. And he was the 100-meter school record holder with like 10 8 10.08, 10.10 times in the 100-meter dash. That is really flying because, I mean, I think the world record now is still only around 9.8 seconds. So he's got that in his ability. And one of the things his brother kind of laughs at is he's like, he's like, Branson really doesn't really know how to run. He doesn't really have a track start. He really doesn't know how to run a 40. He's like, whenever he gets dialed in and really works on that 40, he's going to see him moving at around low 4-4 status. And, Brandon, you put all that stuff together, man. It's almost like – it's going to be fun to watch. Let's just say that. Well, let me talk to you some more about that for a moment because I've never pretended to be a scout. That's just not you know what I do for a living. I remember many years ago I broadcast a game from Sony Michelle when he was in high school down at American Heritage in Plantation, Florida. Jeff, I'll just be honest. Like I didn't think that Michelle had that great of a game. I didn't say this on TV, but in my mind I was thinking, you know, I didn't think he had that great of a game. I wasn't quite so sure what George was was really even getting in Michelle at the time I just did not come away blown away by what I saw and yet obviously Sony goes on to be one of the great running backs in the history of this program so clearly I don't know what I'm looking at when I'm looking at uh, high school running backs because I wasn't blown away by Sony and Sony turned out to be great so you know what is it that you want to see from a Branson is it the the speed quickness to run away from a guy is it the strength to kind of run through a guy like like when you see the guy because there's always going to be a, a great running back in every class and in most years George is going to sign one of those great running backs but from the the raw materials of what could be to to what actually materializes on the field what do you think the best indicator is for a high school running back like some of the stuff that you've seen and by the way in person you went out and visit Branson Robinson Mississippi, Mississippi there what is it that you're looking to see from these guys while they're still in high school? Well, I've seen him, I've seen him a few times now. Probably watched him work out maybe ten times now total, uh, counting high school practices and now all American Bowl practices. And the one thing that's going to surprise folks is the hands are there. That's one of the things people tried to ding him for in the recruiting evaluations. And maybe Branson dropped a pass or two, uh, and that's what they say. Well, he didn't show great hands like he showed at this camp. I just don't think folks are watching him long enough. I mean. I remember Branson made a great one-handed catch in a, in a scale drill, and, and, and he came by. He's like, hey, man, did you get a video of that? And I was like, oh, man, I was taking pictures of you at that time. Huh. And, and it, it, it's like, here's what I look at, Brandon, and it's, I think some of these things kind of have been shaped by the analysis of Georgia running back coach Dell McGee. I remember talking to him at length at one of the open 
uh, media sessions in the open ballrooms uh, for the national championship run. And he really outlines, we, we wrote a story about this on Dog Nation, what he's looking for in a Georgia running back. And it kind of somewhat mirrored what I was always through 20 years of doing this. Let's face it. Georgia recruits a certain standard of running back. We're, not, we're all these guys. Georgia's going to only offer about 15 running backs a year, maybe even like eight or 10. They're all going to be really stinking good. The things I look for uh, is I look for a couple of things. One, I, I make sure I know a diagnosis of the play and I know what's happening. And, and then I want to know, well, how many yards should he get on this play? And then what does he go beyond that? I think Del McGee even calls it dog yards. From the point where you should be stopped, when a really great high school running back should be stopped, how many more yards do you get after that? I mean, Del McGee specifically calls it dog yards. Uh, for me, I look at another thing, whereas the first guy should never get you. The first or second guy should never get you. They, have, they usually should have to hang on, and they should hope for help when your boys arrive, and that's when you get them on the ground. That's what you see a lot with Branson Robinson's tackles. When somebody gets him, somebody just hunkers down and holds on and he waits for a cavalry to arrive, and then they finally get this massive human being on the ground. The other thing you got to look for, and that's really the separator for a, an All-American running back and a Georgia running back to me, is you've got to when, – when you, when you catch the clear, when you break away, uh, everybody, I think, to use that classic Jim Donnan phrase he's used for 30 years um, – you let them see your taillights, and that's all you see. You you have the ability, once you get into the clear, where you're not just getting extra yards after you should have gone down. It's it's you house the thing, and you have that breakaway speed, and you have that extra gear. I think there's a big difference in this world between a guy that's fast and has a lot of speed and, and a guy that has a lot of quickness. And I think you need a combination of all those things to really excel in the SEC and to really excel at Georgia but I think the thing that a lot of folks are waiting to see at Georgia, specific to the case here of Branson Robinson, is what happens when everybody blocks their man and they get a push. And it's really just Branson Robinson with two or three guys in the defensive scheme to have to be. Is he going to be able to make a move on that guy? Is he going to be able to pummel that guy? Is the other guy just not going to be able to get him in the ground when his buddies arrive? I really think if you give a career of Branson Robinson where he gets to the to just the line of scrimmage, man, unimpeded, I think you're looking at a minimum of an all-SEC type season because Georgia will have the tight ends. Georgia will have the wide receivers and the quarterbacks around him that are going to get a lot of those guys out of the box, which is going to reduce the, the chance for the defense to put him onto the ground to maybe three or four guys on every time he gives a play. Let me uh, transition here to a quarterback, Arch Manning, class of 2023. I think most of us certainly expect Georgia to be deeply in the mix for Manning throughout the entirety of this process. Been a lot of chatter about him in the last few days, some of the stuff that uh, Steve Wilfong from 24-7 Sports has talked about, but also that just general consensus that in a lot of ways this may come down to Georgia on one side, maybe Texas on the other, and Texas reportedly making a move that would seem to help them with Manning, bringing in David Cutcliffe. Pretty much everybody knows the relationship that Cutcliffe has had with the Manning family as offense coordinator at Tennessee with Peyton and then a head coach at Ole Miss with Eli. This is a guy the Manning family knows and likes. So how much do you think the presence of Cutcliffe in Austin at Texas could help Arch Manning, or should say Texas, with its recruitment of Arch Manning? You know, I think it's going to help, Brandon, but I'm at the point with this recruitment, and it feels like this is February. Everybody's got to shift gears to 2023, and everybody wants to get themselves an Arch Manning headline up weekly because they know that guy's going to drive a lot of interest. I think on three sports put together its NIL evaluation meter or something phrase 
something phrased to that extent. And he was by far the, the number one NIL metered athlete in college football recruiting. And if you put him amongst all kind of amateur athletes, he's right up there with the Ronnie James and everybody else like that. I, I think I think Texas and Georgia seem to be the teams to look for. I think Alabama is in there as well. I, here's a key factor, and I've mentioned this a couple of times now. Is Brandon? I don't really see uh, perhaps is Georgia's relationships are going to be strong. I keep saying that I think the Matt Luke hire is going to go a long way. I think Todd Munkin's development at the NFL level and the way he schemes up and calls plays is going to help Georgia a lot. I think Buster Faulkner is very underrated. That's the Georgia quarterback quarterback analyst. He's not an on-the-field coach. He was a former offensive coordinator at Southern Miss. Worked with Munkin quite a lot there. And I think the main thing, and this is what I'll kind of trumpet to make the final point here for for this topic, is nobody is really going to have Georgia's defense except Alabama. And I think that's one of the things that the Mannings are going to look for that Georgia has that really only one school, which would be Alabama, has. And I don't think Texas can build a defense quite like Kirby Smart has over the last two or three years. And I think what the Manning family real, realizes is, you know, you're, you're going to be as good as the, the work you get every day in practice and the guys that you have to sharpen your craft against and sharpen your skills against. And I think that's one area where Georgia – is going to score a lot of points with the Manning family as this recruitment goes forward. As they've had brilliant visits, of course, those visits are going to go great to the University of Georgia when you're an All-American quarterback. I, I just, you know, one of the things that I try to, I try to, I try to look at it this way. You know, there's the temptation to write an Arch Manning story every week because everybody would read it. I think, but I'm going to say this, and I, I know this point will probably be lost on a lot of folks. It's just the way I see it. Is yes, it's the Manning name. And yes, it is the royal family of quarterbacks, college football, football in general. But I don't know if the Georgia market, uh, this is just the latest incarnation for the Georgia market of the most impossibly uh, terrific, tantalizing uh, quarterback narrative of all time for this new year and new cycle. I mean, I think the Gunnar Stockton thing was something. I think that Brock Vandegrift was something. I think Justin Fields, Jake Fromm was something. I think Jacob Eason was something. I mean, it's not like Georgia fans have not seen this before where we go, wow, this is about as big of a quarterback recruiting story as we could possibly imagine for this fan base. And yes, it's the Manning name. Yes, it's a national brand. But to me, it still is what it is. It's Georgia going max efforts. It's a guy that will change, I think, the scope of how a lot of folks would view Georgia's offensive reputation. I think the the quarterback narrative is overplayed with Georgia. Uh, maybe it will be rolled down a little bit because the national championship happened. But I can say this, if Arch Manning does eventually sign with Georgia, I think that should render all points moot about Corby Smart and as a, as a place or a cradle of quarterbacks or whatever. If the Manning family trusts their, the latest prodigal son with the Georgia football offense and Buster Faulkner and Kirby Smart and Matt Luke and Todd Munkin, I think that should say enough for all of college football about how well Georgia can train a quarterback. Speaking of big-time recruits, different position, Brandon Ennis, you know, interesting exchange the last few days. Obviously, he was very excited about Brian McClendon being hired. I think we talked to you about that last week. And, you know, there was kind of fun stuff with Raymond Cottrell and uh, Ennis going back and forth over the subject of McClendon. Like, in real terms, though, how much do you think a guy like McClendon opens the door for Georgia with the kind of wide receiver recruits that fans want to see Georgia in better pursuit of? Yeah. And, and but I think I can say this without, you know, some, you know, having a derogatory word about anyone here. It's just a lot of folks really like Brian McClendon. 
And there's a lot of folks that probably think that, you know, Brian McClendon excites them a little bit more about Georgia uh, than ever before with him recruiting wide receivers now. And I mean, players, I mean, you know, the young men across the country that will consider Georgia as a spot for their football career. Uh, you know, Brandon Ennis, I don't know if I can roll the hype meter up any farther than this by just saying that I think he can have a George Pickens type impact at Georgia from day one. I think he's that special of a receiver. Every time you see him compete, you walk away from uh, the showcase or the setting or whatever thinking, that guy was the best guy here. And it really wasn't close. And that guy might have been the best guy here if he was playing another position, whether it's slot receiver or X receiver or playing some defensive back. And he's just that talented a guy. And he's a brand, he's only about six one, maybe. He's about 195 pounds, but he has all those qualities uh, that everybody loved in a Dominic Blaylock coming out of high school. Maybe he's a little bit bigger. Maybe he's a little bit more explosive and twitchier. Maybe the ball skills are a little bit better. I mean, that's a guy when you sit there, and I, I guess I'll say this right now, Brandon. For me to sit there and say, hey, how can Georgia have the most incredible 2023 recruiting class? Well, I think March Man- Arch Manning belongs in that group. It has to for the best possible out- outlier or outcome for Georgia's 2023 class. But you better believe Brandon Ennis' name would be in there as well in terms of the – I mean, I'll tell you this. If Georgia can sign Manning and Ennis in the 2023 class, I think all – all the needs about, you know, 2022 was the defensive super heavyweight class. Then I think 2023 needing to be the yin-yang and balance that out with an offensive gangbusters class. If you have a class that involves those two names, I think you're going to have that. I want to finish with this, if you don't mind. We talked about, uh, I think it was one of these days this week. All these days kind of run together after a while. But Carmani McClain, five-star uh, cornerback, what he said recently about – the frustrations that he goes through when he wants to consider his school and there's changeover with the coaching staff. And we don't know that he was talking about Georgia, but he certainly could be talking about Georgia just given the fact that Georgia has changed defensive backs coaches a lot. And Jeff, what I said about that on this show at the time was not so much a concern of, oh, what does this mean for Georgia's pursuit of uh, Cormani McClain? I'm, I'm assuming that Georgia's going to you know, stay in good shape with five-star cornerbacks because for the most part, that's just what Georgia does really well, which is recruit elite defensive backs. But beyond that, I was just really glad that McClain shared what he shared because I do think it's important to remind ourselves of what is it that most recruits really want? Even elite recruit like McLean talking about not the desire to necessarily be an employee of somebody's company, but a member of somebody's family, you know, to be kind of connected to to something that's more relational than transactional. And I just think that's an important reminder here. You know, Kirby Smart in the press conference on signing day talked about the level of consistency with which Georgia pursued a guy like Christian Miller. And ultimately, that's one of the things that helped Georgia win that recruiting battle, that that families want to feel like they can trust the school they send their son to as if it was also a family. And a lack of consistency sometimes maybe calls that into question. I, I'm sure that George will be fine with McLean, whether they ultimately win or not, I guess we'll decide. I'm just glad that he spoke up and talked about what mattered to him because I think it's important to remember you know that these recruits are human beings and they want to be recruited as a human being by people who are genuine authentic human beings towards them right pretty much uh, I think I think that's the best way to describe it is you know and heck it's not just Kermani McLean wondering about wondering about Georgia it's Kermani McLean running wondering about Miami and other schools on his list I thought that was a great window into the psyche of the young man uh, and, and Brandon, he just visited Georgia in January and that thing went super good. I mean, that thing went, he immediately decided that, you know, he needs to come back to Georgia. He needs, he decided that 
you know, my top five probably needs to become a top eight. Georgia needs to be in that thing. He brings to mind, I don't know if you've seen his tape yet, Brandon, but I know when you, we start throwing out these things and it's five star, and nation's number one cornerback, then automatically that's real estate for a reader's interest where it's like, you know, an A1A property with a pool that's ocean view. That's all really a lot of people need to hear to get interested. But I would, I would advise anybody to watch that film for Kermani McLean because you can say the one thing he doesn't have is top end speed, incredible top end speed. But you want to look at a guy that looks like he's Ed Reed back there or a guy that's out thinking every quarterback. Right in the first, I think four minutes of the guy's tape are pure interceptions. And he's fooled so many guys. I mean, his little, his little go-to move is like kind of sitting back and, you know, whether he's in zone or in man and making the guy baiting that quarterback and thinking, you know, I've got him beat here. Here's a, here's a big game. Here's a big chunk play. And he ends up closing on the ball, reacting well on the ball, breaking well on the ball and making a pick. I mean, you can watch that tape, Brandon, and it's really uncommon to watch his tape for the first like two or three minutes. And every play is an interception. Brandon, you just don't see that. And you don't see that, of course, because it's not like this guy had no offers going into his junior year and wasn't really highly rated. It was the thing that he lets guys think that they are so wide open mm-hmm. and then closes down on the ball, kind of shades of prime time a little yeah, bit. it is. Where he's making so many plays where I can't believe after two or three weeks of that, the OC and the quarterback coach and the head coach are like saying, son, unless you grow the develop the arm of Matt Stafford this week, do not try to stick that ball anywhere near Kermani McLean, especially when you think you got him. Just leave that side of the field alone. He's a guy that, you know, you bring back, you know, Tim Jennings is a guy that reminds me of the last time that Georgia had a had a player like that that reacted so well on film at this age or the plays that Tim Jennings would make when he was a Georgia Bulldog. Now, I know that's going back a ways for some of your top fan badges there on the Facebook and, the, and all, <laughs> all our feeds right now, but you know, that's a guy that immediately came to my mind's eye when I saw him play. And, hey, it's not news, Brandon, to say five-star corner visits Georgia, has a great visit. The Bulldogs are now jacked up and way up at, up at there in their recruiting process. It's just it's kind of that time of year for things like that. And the one thing that I think I'm kind of sensing and feeling right now is people don't really understand that the championship means a lot to Georgia. It, it, it validates Georgia as a team that was right there, but now that is there at the top. And one of the things, the most brilliant things I think Georgia has done, and I'll be curious to see if they, they only do this for the next year, but letting these young men take these pictures with all these trophies yeah. and letting them hold the trophy. I mean, I've heard, I've heard 340 pound linemen describe it to me. Brandon is like, they let, they let them hold that crystal football. And, and you remember that story from a years back? I think somebody that I guess ended up with Georgia, maybe. It was Orson was Charles. The Alabama. I think it was Orson yeah, Charles. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say that Florida once had a crystal football, but I believe it was Orson Charles at Florida that broke the crystal football, I believe. Yeah. Maybe they got a dummy one, like it's like, you know, the ones when the Picassos are up and they've sure. got one that's just for patrons only or yeah, whatever. Maybe but that's the case. So many yeah. people, so many people have touched that crystal football and they've held it and they've said, I've heard this so many times that, that that they said it was like you know holding a newborn baby, or and the other guys are like you know to have Georgia host recruits with the trophy and all their facilities is kind of like the ultimate flex. But I think I think you know I think we wrote about this a while back for a piece for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Is you know Brandon, 
you're supposed to get a bump traditionally every year after a national championship. LSU got it. Uh, Alabama has one every year because they're always winning a national championship. But you look back the last few years and Clemson gets one. When you win a national championship, you, you get a bump. You get an uptick in recruiting the next cycle advancing following that. And I, I just don't know what that's going to look like for Georgia because it already feels like it's as bumped up as it could possibly be for them to find another layer. Jeff, great great stuff. Thank you for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the big game on Sunday. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you about some recruiting stuff again very soon as well. Hey, Brandon. Take it easy, buddy. Keep showing off those viral videos, man. I appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, I get to be a newsman here for a second and tell you that we have new developments in the story we've been covering for the last few days. Uh, I should give you that coming up here in a moment because we do have some new stuff in the Harson thing coming out within the last hour. I'll tell you about that here coming up in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you, we are cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, listen, I am very excited because coming up in the very near future, and I mean very near future, I and uh, my lovely wife, we're going to be taking our own Royal Caribbean cruise and very excited about this. So I'll be talking about some vacation days coming up in the very near future. But it's one of those things where like, are you familiar with the idea of senior-itis? You know what senior-itis is? Where like, you know, you're kind of last stage as a high school and you're just sort of, I don't know, you know, just kind of, uh, I guess, marking the time or, you know, marking the days a little bit hard to focus. Like I'm kind of in that kind of senior-itis phase right now where, boy, I just am ready ready for a, a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, ready to be a perfect day, Coco Cay, ready to enjoy a lot of these really cool things on board the ship. And I told you before, I'm, I'm the kind of guy, uh, I like to, to spend a lot of time online and, you know, whether it be looking at YouTube videos or, or going to the website or just, you know, seeing some of the social media stuff. I like seeing all the things that are on board, including some of the great onboard entertainment at a place like, uh, you know, uh, Royal Caribbean, some of the, the great specialty restaurants, Chops Grill, a, a tremendous steakhouse. That's a, always a really cool thing to, uh, to to enjoy. There's all kinds of uh, specialty restaurants that you can choose. The dining experience in Royal Caribbean Cruise Ship is one of the things that's changed so much o- over the years. So many choices. You want my time dining when you can kind of eat on your own schedule or you want to be able to enjoy, as I said before, specialty restaurants and entertainment there as well. There are like these Broadway-style shows. Uh, you know, Greece, for instance, Broadway-style show right there. On board, you have the Aqua Theater where right there on the back of the ship you have these amazing Olympic level, almost high diving shows, and uh, some of the cool stuff that goes along with that. There's ice skating shows, there's drone shows, there's just all kinds of really amazing things that go on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. And I want you to enjoy it today. And in fact, do what I did reach out to the, your folks, the Cruise and Vacation Authority, because when I encourage you to book a Royal Caribbean cruise, I'm also encouraging you to book that cruise with someone who knows all of the ins and outs of Royal Caribbean. It doesn't cost you any extra to use an expert to book your cruise. That's why I think you should do it. So the Cruise and Vacation Authority, you can check them out, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or you can also give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. All right, so new developments here within the last hour. Cole Kubelik, obviously, former Auburn uh, player, 
also radio host in Alabama, SEC Network analyst, says in the last hour that he believes that Brian Harson will be retained as the Auburn head football coach. Alignment, he says, is going to be critical moving forward. This is Cole Kublik talking. Adjustments from all sides will be necessary. You must find a way for everyone to attempt to put this behind them and move forward to help all parties reconcile and find a way to work together towards competing for championships. It's not going to be easy, he says. Divisive, uh, divisiveness cannot continue. We'll talk more about this video you're seeing in a moment. Let me hold off on the video just for a second if you don't mind and focus on this instead before we get to that, which is and Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated had some reporting on this, and we kind of talked about this at the time. It was always a pipe dream that they were going to find justifiable reason to fire Harson for cause. That one year after hiring Harson, moving on from him was just going to be very expensive. And adding to the fact that they'd also just fired Gus Malzahn a year before that, you're talking about $50 million or thereabouts committed to coaching buyouts for coaches in just the last two years, and that's only head coaches. And I think the big error here was is that Auburn made it too public. I'm talking about Alan Green, the athletic director, uh, Jay Goach, former, uh, former president. That, that, that Gooch, however you say his last name. The point is uh, too many guys were too willing to be open about the fact they were essentially investigating for a chance to move off of Harson And a lot of the stuff that players have said have become public, they didn't do anything to – kind of uh ramp down the 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 rumors that were out there and you know some of the people who've gotten caught up in this i mean i just think it's one of the most distasteful things in the world how you know some people seemingly at least there's no evidence this is through any fault of their own have been kind of dragging the story and had their name you know drug through the mud and their photos show up all over the internet and auburn's done nothing to slow any of that down i, f- I find that to be very distasteful all in the hopes that maybe they could come up with some sort of reason where they could say hey this is why we're firing harson and apparently after searching and, and finding and consulting, I'm assuming with lawyers, they just haven't found any like legal justification to get out of this contract after a year. So now they are literally, as the cliche would say, I'm going to try to put the toothpaste back in the tube because, you know, Kublik's been saying something like this for a while. And I, I kind of trust him on this because he was way out in front of the idea of Harson coming back at a time in which a lot of Auburn fans actually laughed at him for saying that. But he may end up being right. This is not an official announcement, but this is a guy who's been close on this story saying that he expects Harson to return. The one thing that has been very credibly reported is is the idea that Arson that that, that Auburn was be able to fire Harson with cause that just was not going to happen. That's just not. We said the time that wouldn't happen. It seems like that's what the reporting is now also saying there as well that they just have not found reason to do this. So the three choices as it's been laid out: you can keep him, you can pay his buyout, or you know that's basically about it. Um, but 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 he is not going to. Uh, he is not going to be able to be removed from the job without owing him, it would seem, the money that is associated with his contract. And Harson's really got no motivation to negotiate that buyout down because it doesn't really seem like Auburn has much leverage in all of this uh, right now. Now, all of this is kind of interesting because it does kind of come on the heels of uh, you know the fact that Harson was on vacation, they now changed like state law, so saying that you got to cooperate with an investigation, and you know you can't use vacation as a shield and all that kind of stuff. So there is clearly some bad blood here, and you know Harson has stood up for himself in relationship to all of this. He hasn't you know necessarily chosen to play nice throughout all of this. He's certainly not doing anything to help Auburn right now. So there is clearly some very obvious bad blood. Boosters seem to be involved in all this too. And if he really is coming back, then they are going to have to try to find a way to clean up all this mess and you know obviously this controversy kind of 
certainly was very public yesterday in the SEC coaches meeting that took place at the SEC office in Birmingham. There are a lot of reporters on the scene for that, including Michael Casagrande from AL.com. And I'm always amazed at when like sports reporting starts to look like political reporting. You know how like you see the cable news guys chasing somebody to their car when they're leaving, trying to get a comment from them. So here's Harson leaving the meetings. One of the few coaches who used the side door, which is a little bit of a... <laughs> I don't want to say admission of guilt, but certainly not a great look for a coach who felt the need to go out the side door. Now, watch this video as well. As Harson walks out the door, goes to the wrong car, circles around that SUV, and has to come back to the right car. It's almost like, for those of you who are listening to radio podcasts, you know the scene from the Super Bowl halftime show a couple of years ago where like the weekend's like running around all those corridors in the area underneath the staging area and, you know, kind of that. that sort of becomes a little bit of a meme like here's harson stumbling and bumbling his way around the street trying to find what car he's supposed to get into here like that's not a great look the entire thing is just incredibly awkward here and all of those cameras chasing him around as he tries to figure out which car he's supposed to get into uh it's all uh, really really pretty amazing but that's what played out in birmingham yesterday then there's also this and maybe you've heard this by now speaking of michael casagrande his al.com also did a story on a caller this week to the Paul Feinbaum show named Dale from Boise, who is alleged to have been Brian Harson's father, that Harson's father, who has engaged with some sports radio over the years up in Boise, where Harson used to be the coach. There is some thought that maybe he also called into the Feinbaum show this week to offer a defense of his son. We don't know this for sure. Feinbaum has now come out to say that, yeah, maybe it was uh, Harson's uh, dad who reached out. A lot of folks seem to think that it is. Obviously, you don't really know what Brian Harson's dad sounds like, but I'll play the audio here. You can judge for yourself. Does this maybe come across as Brian Harson's dad calling the Feinbaum show to offer a defense of his son? Take a listen. Dale, who is in Boise, Idaho. Uh, Hey, Dale. Hi. Hey there. How you doing? We are doing great. What about you? Good. I'm doing great today. So, you know, uh, first time calling your show. Uh, anyway, um, on the recruiting portion of it, you know, they said it didn't recruit very well. Well, you know, I think you did a pretty good uh, job, uh, you know, recruiting some of these players. They don't have to be starstruck with five-star ratings. They could be... Uh, good players went after people who wanted to play the game and not, not just starstruck with their their uh, stars and stuff and uh, I mean I think he did a pretty dang good job you know uh, maybe Kellen Moore Leighton Vanderesh, you know uh, uh, Jay Ajayi yeah but, you know, but, but, but Dale Mike- so you can judge for yourself does that sound like it could be Harson's dad calling the fine bomb show and obviously it's a little bit of a punchline a little bit of a joke if it is but my overall take on this may be a little bit different than you might assume, which is I don't care how good of a coach Harson is. Maybe he's not a very good coach. I think the SEC situation is probably overwhelming him, and having his dad call into the Fine Bomb Show would seem to be an example of not realizing you're not in Boise, Idaho anymore. I think that that's all probably fair to point out. However, here's what's more important than football. Dads defend their children. So I don't care what Harson did. I don't care if Harson is a bad coach. I don't care if he was mean to one of his players. Dads defend their children. And you better believe that if one of my 
my son or my daughter one day was whatever else i'd call the fine bomb show i'd do whatever else i could to be on their side because families stick together and dads defend their children so uh whether harson's a good coach or not uh dale from boise calling in to uh, address all that on the fine bomb show i got no problem with that in the long run let me also say this before we wrap up here today which is that the finished long drink is a great choice for you. You're getting ready for a big weekend, obviously watching the you-know-what coming up on Sunday. Uh, the big game, of course. Well, listen, you got a lot of folks coming over, a great beverage or two, always a great way to enjoy some football, and that's where the finished long drink can really be a great part of this for you. Maybe you can introduce somebody to it for the first time. It's always fun when people come over to share with them something they may not have enjoyed before. It's a conversation starter. It kind of breaks the ice and uh, makes you seem like a great host. So go to thelongdrink.com, and you can look at the four different varieties of the finished long drink it's the traditional in the blue can gin kick grapefruit flavor long drink zero zero carb zero sugar long drink strong that's a black can eight and a half percent alcohol by volume long drink cranberry which as you might expect has cranberry flavor and you can figure out which of these varieties is right for you you can uh put your zip code in and find out where you can pick some up whether it be golf course or bar or beverage store uh, you could even pick up one of the eight can variety packs and get two of each of the four different varieties of the finished long drink it's just a really great way to enjoy some football this weekend or whatever you might be doing the finished long drink goes great with it so go to the longdrink.com and find out where you can pick up some today so we'll do a golden shoe here on the way out the door and one of my favorite things about what i get to do here is is that so many of you share things that are special to you and boy i love the idea of all the folks who are kind of like hanging that new stuff on the wall to commemorate that georgia national championship let me show you this today golden shoe winner i think this is great garrett hill weighs in to say i've got quite the golden shoe worthy uga wall obviously anchored by top dogs that's the book that i'm thankful enough to be in and it's so cool uh, to have that as a part of what Garrett's doing here. He also says, I've got an AJC Field Edition. I've got football cards. I've got scarves, other commemorative items there as well. Let me know what you think. Uh, Garrett, I'll let you know what I think right now. That is awesome. It's incredible to see. And the scarf that he has is the same one that our producer, Michael Carvel, has. So that's great to see. And boy, I love the fact that we have a little bit of a connection with what Garrett has on his wall there. So congratulations, Golden Shoe winner for today, celebrating that national championship, something that Florida has not done in quite some time. In fact, how long has it been? Gator Hater Updater, 4,782 days. Long drought for those lousy, stinking Gators. And coming up, they're going to be taking another beating again at the hands of the dog 260 days from now that is our gator hater countdown this is dog nation daily presented by kroger and hope all of you have a great weekend and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take your comments on twitter at dog nation daily in the comments section when we post the podcast each and every day at dognation.com frankie fibonacci writes in and he shares a graphic that's gotten some attention on twitter about and this is something we've talked about before around here which is that it was always unfair to compare Kirby Smart at this stage of his career to Nick Saban at this stage of his career because Saban had just had so much more coaching experience that actually it's not just cool that Georgia won a national championship for those of us who are fans but it's actually kind of amazing that Kirby Smart this soon into his coaching career already has a national championship it's not necessarily evidence that he's going to win you know millions more that's obviously still to be determined but winning a national championship this quickly into a head coaching career is a pretty you know, remarkable feat for Smart. I think it was always an error to say, uh, you know, how come it's taking Smart so long to get this done when in actuality it's actually happening very, very fast. And so what Frankie Fibonacci on Twitter shares is that if you look at your first six years as a, as a FBS head coach, Kirby Smart is 66 and 15, whereas Nick Saban was just 43, 26 and 1. 
over that same span number of years anyway Dabo Swinney 51 and 23 Jimbo Fisher 68 and 14 so Fisher actually had a very good first six years Brian Kelly 53 in 2020 53 and 22 over that first six years as the head coach that if you want to keep this to just Saban here for a moment that you know Saban wasn't really famous his first six years as head coach he was grinding and and paying his dues and trying to get on the radar of big time programs where smart had to have on the job training in a place like Georgia where there were high expectations and smart to his credit started meeting those expectations almost immediately you look at uh, wins against top 10 teams smart had 13 Saban only had six Dabble only had five Jimbo only had five Brian Kelly didn't have any so that speaks to this there as well. And I've always felt like that was the more accurate comparison. You know, people wanted to act like that that Kirby Smart was inferior to Nick Saban because Saban was really in the prime of his coaching career, coaching in Alabama with all the resources that were there. Had a very significant head start, you know, almost 10 years of a head start, even in Alabama alone, over, uh, over Kirby Smart. And yet Smart has, in my mind, kind of caught up to him this quickly. Now there's going to still be plenty of battles to come between Georgia and Alabama and a lot of people seem to think Alabama's the favorite next year. Maybe that's the case. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, the way in which Kirby has closed the gap on Alabama as quickly as he had, I think speaks really well of him. Barry Watkins also mentioning the Brian Harson stuff from before, who, and, you know, as we said during the show, it now seems obvious there have been more published reports come out in the last few minutes that Harson is going to remain at Auburn. And Barry Watkins was having some fun with the notion of uh, Harson going out the side door the back door there at Auburn kind of a uh, kind of a crazy thing there uh, a lot of the coaches for the SEC meeting in Birmingham going through the front door if your coach is going through the side door probably doesn't say a great thing about where things stand with him right now uh, so that's kind of interesting let me go to dognation.com for a quick minute there as well Jim Dog 85 weighs in on something we mentioned on the show the other day that he says, I agree with your opinion that the strength of college football is it's the decentralization of power. He says, the flawed NCAA notwithstanding, I've been dismayed to hear many college administrators call for federal government to pass laws regulating NIL rules. And and Jim goes on to make kind of an interesting point about this at dognation.com in the comment section. And I do really believe this is true, that, you know, when you consolidate everything into like, OK, we're going to have this commissioner or this organizational body and they're gonna have all the power over everything well it becomes pretty easy to infiltrate that and to capture that organization and to change college ball maybe change it for the worse but when you have a lot of the power kind of spread out amongst conference commissioners and athletic directors and the way that it is no one person can control college football which i believe is a good thing because that means no one person can then be controlled and impact the sport for the worse. College ball is kind of open source in that way, that a lot of people have an impact on the direction the sport goes. And maybe it makes some things seem somewhat chaotic, but I think some of that chaos is just kind of exaggerated. Oh, these guys can't get together about playoff expansion. Oh, these guys can't get together about, you know, whatever else. Well, I'm not quite so sure that disagreement's necessarily that bad of a thing. Frankly, unanimous agreement where other voices don't get a chance to weigh in, that's that's actually kind of the the worst thing because if we had had like say unanimous agreement unanimous leadership in the sport a couple of years ago we probably wouldn't have had a season and in retrospect that would have been a real big mistake and a huge huge issue and yet the lack of centralized power for college football opened the door for smart people to kind of chart their own course and eventually everyone else followed because it was the right thing to do but 
the the presence of some sort of central authority over college football at the time would have been bad for the sport because the the political winds were blowing in such a way that the sport probably wouldn't have even taken place in 2020. And how big of an error would that seem in retrospect? So interesting stuff from Jim Dogs 85 on all of that. Glad to have you with us for our podcast, Cool Down. Check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Uh, they're always there for you. And then get your water heater replaced same day in many cases. Heating system tuned back up to factory fresh specs and so many other great things there as well. So find them online at rsandrews.com. I'll also see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to speaking to you then.